Welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. My name is Reverend Angela Wells-Bean, and it's my privilege to serve as your minister for congregational care. You might notice that I'm up here by myself this morning. Reverend Dr. David Greenhaw, our interim senior minister, intended to be here this morning, um, and he sends his regrets, but he got, uh, tra- he got delayed because of travel complications and due to flight delays and all that, he's not able to be here. And I'm sure that's a story that many of us can relate to this summer as lots of airlines are having issues. So uh, we will miss him this morning, but he is doing well and he will be back with us in the pulpit next Sunday. Um, I want to welcome all of you who are here today, those of you who are in person and those of you who are online. Thank you for joining us on this 4th of July weekend and a special welcome to our congregants who are worshiping at Bentley Village. We are so glad to have you. If you are here in the sanctuary, I'd like you to register your attendance with us. You can find the blue registration pads on the end of your pews. Please take a moment to fill that out and pass it down to your neighbor so we know who's worshiping with us this morning. And if you're worshiping online, please take this opportunity to write your name and where you're worshiping from in the comments section so we know how far and wide our reach is spreading. Um, Also, not only is David not with us this morning, but Becky is out as well. We're a skeleton crew, but that's okay. Uh, Dr. Becky Weiss-Rumpf, our Minister of Music, is at the American Guild of Organists National Convention in Seattle. But we are in good hands, and we are grateful to have Dr. Alexandra Carlson leading our music this morning. So thank you. Today is a Communion Sunday. So if you are worshiping with us online, please take this opportunity to prepare any kind of bread and any kind of beverage so that you can participate in that sacrament later on in the service. And for those of you who participated in our Cans for Communion collection here in person, thank you, thank you, thank you. Those foods go to the Grace Place Food Pantry and their shelves are critically low. So thank you for your non-perishable food donations. And if you missed the opportunity, we do a Cans for Communion collection on the first Sunday of every month, so please be sure to bring those goods on the first Sunday of August. Um, Two quick announcements. There is uh, a family summer movie night uh, right up in your bulletin, but unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, we had to cancel that. That is scheduled for this Friday night, but it won't be happening. And also, I want to draw your attention to something that's next week. It's next Tuesday, um, July 12th, an evening with your pastors. If you are new to our congregation and you are interested in learning more about our, our church and getting to know your clergy, please come to that gathering next Tuesday, July 12th at 7 p.m. We would love to have an opportunity to get to know you as you consider joining our church. And if you're interested in attending that, we'd like you to RSVP, and you can find those details in the bulletin, and you can see everything else that's going on in the life of our church in your bulletins. And now let us center our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship. We gather this morning taking a moment to appreciate our freedom to worship God. Guided by our creator, may we seek to live in harmony and peace with all peoples of the earth, understanding that peace begins with each of us. Come, let us worship our God by standing in body and spirit and joining together in singing our opening hymn. 
I invite you to join me in our prayer of invocation, which you can find printed in your bulletins. Let us pray together. Gracious God, you have made all the peoples of the earth in all our diversity, and you invite us to serve you in freedom and in peace. Give to the people of our nation a zeal for justice and the strength for forbearance. A nation in progress, give us patience and humility when we err in our ways. We ask this on a day of celebration, a day of hope for a nation still becoming. Be with us in our worship this morning, inspiring us to live for the sake of your realm on earth that one day all may be free. Amen. I invite you to be in a spirit of prayer with me as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. Let us pray. O God of all the nations, we pray on this occasion, remembering in particular our country. We give you thanks for the good dreaming that envisioned a land of freedom and opportunity, a land which upholds as one of its values respect for all its inhabitants. We give you thanks for all who sacrificed in so many ways to create and to sustain such a dream. We give you thanks for the many ways in which that dream has been and continues to be embraced and made manifest as a better tomorrow is shaped for most of us. We thank you for the call to let freedom shine, to let celebration of the dignity of all resound. But you know, O oh God, and we come to you in a moment of confession, the many ways in which we fall short of our best dreaming. We fall into immaturity and selfishness and short-sightedness, into too much of a focus on immediate benefits for some and a lesser tomorrow for all. We fall short by giving in to the fear of the other, by convincing ourselves that we are better and therefore justify the subjugation of others for our own benefit. Reinstill in us the dreaming, O oh God. Guide us into the disciplines of love and grace that cultivate those ideals of unconditional welcome that we might continue to be a safe haven for the tired, poor, and huddled masses yearning to be free. Remind us that we have a commitment to our children and our children's children, that the country they inherit should be a better land than it is now, with more mature leaders and citizens than we are, with greater opportunities than we have known, with even deeper respect for all of its citizens a more far-reaching vision with richer examples of our nation's ideals of freedom and bravery. Be with us, O oh God, as we continue to try to form a more perfect union. And we ask for your forgiveness and the forgiveness of our siblings around the world when we fall short. We are a nation in progress. We ask all of this in the name of your Son, our brother, Jesus, the risen Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 17, and if you'd like to, you're invited to follow along as the text is printed in your bulletins. The God who made the world and everything in it, the sovereign of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is God served by human hands as though God needed anything. Since God gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, God made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And God allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live. So that they would search for God and perhaps grope for God and find God. Though indeed God is not far from each one of us. For in God, we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are God's offspring. May God bless our modern hearing of these ancient words. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations on all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The United States of America was founded by wishful thinkers, dreamers, innovators, explorers, and risk takers. From the 1500s all the way to the early 20th century, the people who emigrated to these lands were the adventurous ones. They left behind everything families, businesses, and cultures to follow a dream. Those dreams varied. Some people were seeking freedom from political and religious persecution. Some wanted to come to the land of economic opportunity as they heard that our streets were paved in gold. Can you imagine leaving behind your whole life here in the United States to begin again in a different part of the world. You've never seen pictures or videos of this place. And by the way, the people you're leaving behind, your loved ones, your families, you'll never see them or hear their voices again. That kind of risk takes courage and conviction and a strong, independent spirit. It is these characteristics which run through the veins of the earliest Americans all the way to us today. Whether or not you are a direct descendant of these immigrants, these values of risk-taking and innovation and independence are still in the air we breathe. They're an essential part of this American experiment that we're all part of. 
History can fade from view really easily. But it's important to remember just how radical the founding of this nation was. The founders agreed, okay, we're not going to solely base one's success in this new nation on their family ties or nationality or wealth, categories which in other countries did bind people to their social class for life. They said, let's try this thing where all people, the definition of which has expanded over time, are created equally and have equal access to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was radical. And it was different from all the other systems of government that they knew. They had seen other governments fall to the forces of violence and oppression and prejudice, and they wanted to try to make a go of this new thing. Let's see if we can write a constitution and ask the people to ratify it and see if we can use it to devise a system of government that won't end in violence, conquest, defeat, corruption, or imperial overreach. Now, 246 years later, we've got some conflict. A law was repealed that was made almost 50 years ago. We're reinterpreting the legality of prayer in schools, The political parties are fighting with each other, and people are full of rage as if all of this wasn't to be expected. I think perspective is helpful, especially in turbulent times, lest we forget our history. Sure, we are 246 years old, which seems really old when measured by the human lifespan, but it is really young for a country. So we are in this new nation, it is still new, full of citizens who value independence, drive, innovation, and competition. It is no wonder we haven't figured it out yet. To be honest, I am surprised we have lasted this long as a union, although it's not like there haven't been attempts to dissolve it. Some days, it feels like these 50 states are held together by barren threads. Not because of any moral failure, but because we are part of a huge, risky, ongoing social experiment with 330 million participants. Any statistician would tell you the odds are not in our favor. So our nation is a social experiment based upon a document, the Constitution, written by white men as a reaction in part to the European monarchies. But there's a big piece of the American puzzle that I haven't mentioned yet, and that's religion, specifically Christianity. Also an experiment An innovative religion born out of Judaism in reaction to the Roman Empire also with a text at its center, the Bible, also written by men. There are some important overlaps between the Christian story and the American story. But I want to emphasize that while these paths weave in and out, they are not one and the same. The United States is not the continuation of the Christian story, despite what manifest destiny or the doctrine of discovery might have us believe. 
The United States is informed by Christian values, but is not a Christian nation. Christianity, however, much like the United States, was also born by innovators and dreamers and believers. The earliest Christians drew ire from the Gentile and Jewish populations. They were a threat to those who worshiped Caesar and to the Jewish community. The earliest Christians were traitors. These new Christians were Jews and Gentiles, and so they had to figure out how to work together to forge this new path. They saw the world around them, one in which religion was embedded in civic life. The religious leaders were beholden to the political elites, and religious edicts were issued which only served the interests of the rich and powerful. These fledgling Christians wanted to live in community in such a way that everyone's sacred worth was realized and honored and everyone had a place and a voice at the table. Whereas before, one's social status was determined by family of origin or race or gender or religion, the earliest Christians wanted to do away with all of that. Hence the scripture, neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. The earliest Americans were trying to build a nation where people could advance regardless of their social status. And the earliest Christians were trying to build a faith where people were welcome at the table regardless of their social status. In today's text, we heard that God is not far from each one of us. In God, we live and move and have our being, for we are each God's offspring. This comes from the book of Acts, which can be understood as an operations manual for the founding of the Christian church. These words that we take for granted today, that we are all God's offspring, are revolutionary. Just as the words, all men are created equal, were revolutionary. We as Christian Americans are the product of two radical social groups whose origin stories are rooted in disrupting the social order and creating a new way. Both of these groups, one saw different religion, one saw different governing structures. They were both, which were both based in hierarchy and oppression. And the earliest Christians and the earliest Americans had the radical notion to try something new that was not based in hierarchy and oppression. And while the United States, yes, is a very young nation, Christianity is not new. We have the benefit of having the strength and establishment of this ancient religion to inform how we can exist in this new nation. This is not to say that Christian values should be imposed on all people here in the United States or that we should at all even wade into theocratic waters. But I am suggesting is that if 75% of the people in this country identify as Christian, as the studies show, then we ought to start acting like it. We are called to give bread to the hungry, clothe the naked, welcome the stranger, invite the oppressed to sit at the place of honor at the table. Our job is to care for creation and to make sure all have the ability to care for their bodies and minds. 
We are challenged to be humble, submitting ourselves to God who calls us to go out and love our neighbor as ourselves, to show empathy to the person we disagree with, to love our enemies. We're needed to reach out and care for the people who are worried and scared and afraid because the liberties they have come to enjoy are under threat. For a lot of us, it feels like we have taken a step back recently. But that's no surprise because we are a nation in progress and no lasting progress is linear. Social change means two steps forward, one step back. It means taking detours and roundabouts and making decisions which we realize were not the right ones and then course correcting. The history of the United States is a series of mistakes that we went back and corrected. Will there be collateral damage in the meantime? Yes. I'm not saying this as a pessimist, but because there is no other way. As humans, God gave us choice. And so we're going to mess up as individuals and societies. We're going to get it wrong, and then we fix it. That's how it will always be. We will never arrive because no society is perfect. As the poet Amanda Gorman said in her poem, The Hill We Climb, which she performed at President Biden's inauguration, here's one of the lines. Somehow we have weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but is simply unfinished. We will always and forever be a nation becoming, and each time an error is made by our country, it is the calling of Christians and other people of faith to step up and help those who have been affected. Christians were instrumental in abolitionism. We were there at the end of Reconstruction. We were on the ground working to abolish Jim Crow and advance the civil rights movement. Although Reverend Dr. King wrote in letter from a Birmingham jail that he didn't think us white Christians were doing quite enough, But Christians were there in the fight for the right to vote for women. We were there in the fight for marriage equality. We have allied ourselves with Native Americans, supporting them and getting reparations for the harm done to them in the name of this nation. We have been there for criminal justice reform and for supporting mental health awareness. Christians have worked alongside the labor movement and in support of immigrants. Christians have been there all along, celebrating when we take two steps forward and working tirelessly when we take one or more steps back. People are so angry at one another. Everyone seems to be mad at our lawmakers in Washington, and it seems like no one is happy. But our memories are so short. Our nation is in a better state for all of us than it was even 20 years ago, let alone 50 or 100. Two steps forward, one step back, but we're still going forward. Like the stock market, sometimes it drops, but over time, it always trends upwards, slowly but surely. Setbacks are inevitable. But we come from fearless, hope-filled, inventive people, and we must not give up on our calling to work for the betterment of this nation. As a modern interpretation of the Talmud states, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief, 
Do justly now. Have mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. Do not be daunted by the enormity of being a Christian in the United States in this time and place. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. We are standing on the shoulders of two sets of giants, our religious forebearers and our nation's forebearers, both of whom fought for their cause. Those who lost their lives in defense of this nation and those who lost their lives in defense of the Christian faith did not do so that we might give up now. On this July 4th weekend, we must recommit to our calling as Christians, understanding each of us as God's offspring. And live in such a way that we help our nation become a more perfect union. A place in which all people have equal access to the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. As you go from this place as Christians and as Americans, may you do your part to heed the call to help bring about a more perfect union. And may you know that you are a beloved child, you are created in God's image, and I pray that you go in peace. Amen.